0: Welcome to Gut Wisdom, a show about work, life, and how to succeed in both. It's radio that resonates. Now, here are your hosts, Deirdre Koppelman and J.G. John Gassman. With $46 billion a year spent on leadership development and training, it's astounding to learn from a recent Gallup survey that 82% of employees actually find their leaders uninspiring wow can't believe that one. <laughs> oh, i think i can believe it so tonight <laughs> we are going to be talking with rasmus hugard i think i pronounced that correctly and jacqueline carter they are the authors of the mind of the leader they will help us understand why there is such a huge gap between the billions of dollars spent on leadership development and why it's just not working why don't we have leaders who are inspiring
1: i know the answer But it's accurate. And what's going to be fun about this is they've done so much extensive research. Mm -hmm. I think 35,000 leaders
0: were interviewed. Yeah.
1: That's a huge number. So they determined that by undertaking or understanding how our own minds work, only then can we really be better at leading
0: others. Yes. And get this. There are three qualities that we'll learn about tonight. That Jacqueline and Rasmus found to be essential three qualities okay that uh, i'm curious i I think one might be empathy, but i i actually <laughs> I think I might be wrong now, so i'm I'm looking forward to find out
1: well, their book, "The Mind of the Leader, takes us on the journey that 's going to enlighten all of us to listening in tonight both personally and professionally we're going to gain a lot from this
0: absolutely and listeners will have opportunities for you to win a free copy of their book the mind of the leader so let's get down let's get some inspiration coming up and stay tuned
1: Get the news you need whenever and wherever you need it. Follow WCBS on Twitter and like us on Facebook. You can even listen to WCBS on your phone with live streaming and audio on demand with the CBS local app. Stay connected with your favorite news radio station all day long when you need to know WCBS has you covered.
0: Our need for meaning, fulfillment, and human connectedness is not limited to our personal lives. Every day at work, we seek the same needs. We want our work to be meaningful. We want to be fulfilled in what we're doing. And we want to be connected with those that work alongside of us. You're listening to Gut Wisdom. I'm Deidre Koppelman here with your co-host, John Gassman. No. Hey, JG. Yes,
1: JG. No, John Gassman. I don't want people recognizing me. <laughs> Too late. So what are we going to talk about tonight? We have special show and if you're tuning in for the first time, you know, we're here every Saturday night. We have the honor of having Rasmus Ugart and Jacqueline Carter joining us tonight live in studio to talk about their – hooray, hooray, yes. Yes. Talk about their new book, The Mind of the Leader. Rasmus and Jacqueline have wisdoms with a Z that come from their interviews with, I think, over 250 C-level executives. Yes. And they've conducted about 35,000 interviews in aggregate –
0: Right yeah and I I read something like that, and they also have training programs on mindfulness. Mm. Uh, Rasmus is the founder and managing director of Potential Project, and I believe Jacqueline is the international partner uh, and the North American director of Potential project, and together, I know that there was a book that uh, before their new book came out, yeah, uh, they wrote one second ahead: Enhance Your Performance at Work with Mindfulness, mm. and Mindfulness is so key again, in your personal or professional life. So um, their new book, The Mind of the Leader, uh, should be, I think, uh, chock full of wisdoms for all of us tonight. And I also... Uh, believe that both Rasmus and Jacqueline have worked with uh, individuals and teams with companies. You know a few small companies like Google, oh, Cisco, boy. the Marriott organization. Little companies, little huh? companies, little <laughs> companies. So we are honored to have them both here tonight.
1: Welcome, Rasmus
0: and Jacqueline. Yes, welcome. Nice
1: Yay. to have you guys here. So let me let me throw a question at you first, Rasmus, and that is: What do you think about the state of leadership in organizations today?
2: Right so um I can speak about my personal experience but let's look at the data first uh, there's been extensive Ooh, research like done data. on how our leaders doing and while many leaders think that they're doing well there is actually good signs that they are not doing as well as they think they are mm. uh, a few examples is of obviously the, the 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 annual Gallup which is finding that 13% of the workforce is engaged that's not a lot right 24% is wow. actively disengaged uh, around four, uh, 30, uh, 65% of all employees would forego a pay raise just to see their leader fired. Wow. So there's a lot of suffering in organizations as well. And uh, McKinsey did a, did a massive study on 250 managers where 77% of them actually thought that they were doing a great job in engaging their people. But uh, the same study found that 86% of the employees disagreed. So there's a massive gap in how leaders perceive their own performance and how people perceive how their leaders are doing.
0: That's huge. I wonder what our teams would say about us. We think that we're inspiring and great leaders. I don't know. Jacqueline, what do you think?
3: Well, I also think that it's tough to be a leader today. One of the things that we know right now is there's radical change. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. There's so much complexity, mm. globalization. And at the same time, you know, we know we have different generations coming into the workforce with different needs. And so quite honestly, I think one of the things that we found is although this data is really quite depressing in terms of the leadership crisis, we also know from an individual perspective that it's a tough job right now. <sighs>
1: It's tough to be a leader, and that and that's why a lot of organizations do a lot of these,
0: you know, three sixties, you know, to get that feedback and stuff, yeah. which we'll talk about later. Yeah. What about the companies that don't do anything? I mean, the larger public corporations, sure, more sophisticated uh, in terms of feedback, um, but there's a whole bunch of other companies out there, middle market companies that maybe are not public. Yeah. Uh, Family owned businesses, large oh, companies, sure. yeah. and and they're not vested. Uh, probably because they just don't know how to do it well, uh, where there is no feedback on performance. there, are, and, and in some cases, not even opportunities for growth, how to learn to be better. Where are the resources for that? So I have a question. Uh, Jacqueline, this is fun. I like having both of them here. Yeah, it's uh, like you, ping pong. Do you see any <laughs> significant trends in corporate cultures today?
3: Absolutely. One of the things that we see is that, and this was really exciting to us, is that a lot of organizations are figuring this out. Mm -hmm. They're seeing the same data that Rasmus just shared, and they're saying we've got to do something because they can't simply, it costs them too much money to continue to have so much employee turnover and disengagement. They know what the impact that has on the bottom line. And so what a lot of organizations are starting to really question is this focus that has for the last number of years been on shareholder wealth Mm – And leading-edge companies are starting to say, maybe we should start focusing on our employee health instead and developing what we have termed as being people-centric cultures, Mm -hmm. looking at putting people first, putting people at the center of our strategy. Because if we focus on our people, and to use a quote from one of the leaders that we interviewed, Arnie Sorensen, who's the CEO for Marriott Globally, it's so simple. It's simple wisdom. What he says is if we take care of our people, they will take care of our guests, and business will take care of itself. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Now, what, what
0: frustrates me, almost astonishes me, is that this is a new concept. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, I have to be honest here. At, you know, I was an employee for 17 years of various wonderful companies, big companies, Doubleday, which is now, of course, out of business, Time Warner, NBC, and I was with smaller companies, and I was in my 20s. I hadn't had management training and leadership development training or any of those things, putting myself through college and back then. And that was 30 blah, blah years ago. <laughs> I never quite understood why the people, the human element, in, in, which is the biggest asset every business has, are the people. Why isn't anybody focused on people-centric, as you said, I don't get it. Why did it take this long for it to become almost a phenomenon? I don't... Go ahead. What do you think? Well,
3: I think that if I even look at my own career... You know, when I started in, in my role I was with Deloitte Consulting for many years and I was so happy to just have a job. You know, I was I was committed to being loyal to the organization, I was happy with the salary that I was getting. And quite honestly, I think that a lot of the workforce today, they're looking for more meaning, they're looking for more purpose, they're looking to be engaged. And quite honestly, we know that those that are talented, especially now, you know, not only looking at global organizations, but global job opportunities. I Absolutely. mean I can sit in my my, the comfort of my own living room and work for a company on the other side of the globe. So if I'm a talent, you need to do more for me than I think that what we've seen in the past. So I think the big trend, Deirdre, to what you're saying is I think the expectations of workers has changed. And I think organizations are only now figuring out wait a minute. <laughs> exactly. We need to step up. And and I think what is wonderful about what you just articulated, though, is we also know it, it just feels good. Like, right. it's nice, actually, to say, yeah, this isn't like, you know, rocket science. Let's focus on our people, because ultimately, organizations are about human beings trying to come together to do good together. Why don't we focus on each other and support each other? So, It's a really easy message and one that not only is good for us as humans, but it's actually good for the bottom line. So it's a double win.
0: Could not agree more, J.J. Yeah,
1: 100%. It's one of those things that we so often overlook, and we all blame millennials today. They're looking, they're seeking. And we're blaming them, yet we really have to look internally at what are we doing to really help them advance their careers, put them in positions to win, help them understand what their unique talents and skill sets are so that they can thrive both personally and professionally, and it's something
0: that's constantly overlooked. And empower them with meaningful and purposeful work. Yeah. What I think the biggest difference in, generationally <clears throat> speaking, our generation very respectful generation, I, you know. It, we weren't the big males. We we're going to complain because we wanted to keep our job. I think the biggest difference today is that if if the work is not meaningful and they don't feel that they are fulfilling a, a, a meaningful purpose, they will leave. <laughs> End of story. Yep. Bye bye. Right. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: question. Yeah. Yep. Why is understanding how the mind works crucial for leaders? to drive results.
2: Right, that's a that's a great and, and very basic question. So leadership development, whether that is an MBA or a much leadership training that is done in, in companies is really always focusing on the let's say the external uh, parts of leadership, which is like crafting a fantastic mission, <laughs> developing a beautiful strategy, making sure you got the numbers right, you right. know, how to run the spreadsheets. That's like <laughs> leadership. But that is like building the roof of a building rather than starting with the foundation. Mm -hmm. Because the foundation is really understanding our own mind. If we don't understand ourselves as leaders, we won't be able to lead ourselves. Like the leadership pioneer Peter Drucker said, you cannot manage other people unless you learn how to manage yourself first. So when you understand yourself, you can lead yourself. When you understand and lead yourself, you can understand the people you're supposed to lead And you can lead them better. And when you do that better, you can understand the culture in your organization and lead that better. So So self-awareness. Self-awareness is really the starting point of leadership. If you Mm. miss that point, you're kind of missing the whole point.
3: But I would add, it's more than just what a lot of organizations do in terms of self-awareness. Like you talked about 360s. A lot of times that only gives a surface level of awareness. Yeah. sure, Right? So it says things like, okay, people think that you're not very engaging or right. or people think, you know, um, they don't, they think you're too assertive or too aggressive or mm-hmm. whatever it is. That doesn't help me understand that is my true. mind. That is true. And, and what we do to combat that,
0: J.G. and I, in our business practice, is we use a series of assessments. They're not right or wrong. They're not good or bad. They're not strengths and weaknesses. It's almost about unique abilities Mm. to enlighten those that may not know uh, in terms of self-awareness what unique abilities they have and what opportunities for growth that they have so that if they had a tip, a trick, a tool or a resource to move the needle in empathy or self-control over emotions or any of those EQ um, areas where you can develop Mm. Um, that's that's how we look to provide that self awareness because otherwise, where where are people getting that from? Exactly. You're right, a, a Jacqueline. A 360, it's good, um, but it's it doesn't give you really that that internal thermometer. Exactly. Um And and to give that information to somebody, <clears throat> and I I also just want to say for the record that a leader, in our minds, is uh, it's it, their behaviors. It's not positional. It's not positional. It's not how many direct reports you have. It's not how long you've worked at a company. It's not how old you are. It's not how much money you make. It's how you behave. Would mm, you agree?
2: Absolutely. Uh, the The global managing director of McKinsey, who has done extensive research over the past many years on what is good leadership, is basically concluding leadership is nowadays less about what you do and much more about who you are. Mm. And I think one of the quotes that really stood out from us in, in our research was an executive uh, in the Audi Volkswagen Group, uh, Javier Pladoval, who said, leadership is about unlearning management and relearning being a human. Ooh,
0: love that. Say, okay. that, one wait, Say that one more time. Say that one more time. Leadership gonna- is about. Oh, go ahead.
2: Is Leadership ab- is about unlearning management and relearning being a human.
0: I know you'll be tweeting that. So, so let's hold that <laughs> thought for a second. Uh, listeners, listen up. We have five copies of Rasmus and Jacqueline's latest book, The Mind of the Leader. And if you would like to win one of these five copies, go ahead and email me at dk at GutWisdom. G-U-T-W-I-Z-D-O-M.com. JG is giving me the rolling fingers. Remember, don't email me while you're driving. More leadership wisdoms coming your way on Gut Wisdom. Stay tuned. When you're on the train, it doesn't mean you're out of touch. Listen to WCBS on your phone or tablet. We're streaming live 24 7 with the news you need to know. Go to radio.com or CBSNewYork.com and you'll stay informed on your way to and from the office with WCBS News Radio 880.
1: Yes, everyone, you're listening to Gut Wisdom, radio that resonates on WCBS News Radio 880. We are having such a good time here. We have in studio two rock stars with us tonight. We have Jacqueline Carter and Rasmus Ugard. They are the co-authors of The Mind of the Leader and we are talking about all the challenges in leadership development and organizational behavior. Why statistics show that leaders aren't performing where they need to be and uh I am JG, and we are here with Deirdre Coppelman, the host of the show. Uh, JG,
0: yes, you, are, you you are otherwise known as John Gasman. All right, but our listeners whatever know you that. want to call me. I have never seen you. This is That's such a great true. topic. I can't say I've never seen you. That's never, too, ever, no. But you are like you're sort of smiling through your words tonight. I am. Why? Why are you so like? Because this topic resonates. Yes, because we have met and worked with how many uninspiring leaders. leaders.
1: I wouldn't call them leaders, though. Right. We call uh, them, because of their position, they're called leaders.
0: Right. But they're not really leaders. No, they're not. So we're very excited to have yeah. both Rasmus and Welcome back joining us tonight. And, uh, you know, you did a lot of research, which... Uh, we love because that's factual. Uh, But based on your research, can you share with us and our listeners, what did neuroscience reveal to you about the mind of effective and ineffective leaders?
3: I would say that there was so much science that was really interesting in terms of understanding. And that was one of the things that we really set out to do with this book is we really wanted to make it research-based and factual, as you say and there were so many interesting things that from a scientific perspective that all all people should know let alone all leaders One of them is that basically our mind has a natural tendency to wander. So when you have those moments where you're no longer paying attention, you don't have to feel bad about it. That is actually how the mind naturally works. Hmm. In fact, researchers have shown that on average, our mind wanders almost half of our waking hours. Really, Which is really important to know. So all of us here having a lovely time in this radio interview, some of us have left just even for just a moment, you know, thinking about what you're going to ask next next or thinking about maybe something that you heard before. And that's totally okay because from a neurological perspective, that's how the brain actually works. It's natural. Now, but let me say what neuroscience has also shown is that we can train our mind to be able to overcome that. And that's
0: equally cool. So, hmm, interesting. So, if that's how our brains are naturally hardwired, which is to kind of step out, take a break, zoom in and out, do it, how does it apply to effectiveness in leaders, right? So the more you zoom in and out and allow your natural way of being to be, does that create effectiveness or ineffectiveness? Or if you're mastering it and you're controlling it and you're, you're being more focused and not allowing your uh, mind to go off and wander, does that create effectiveness or ineffectiveness?
2: It's a good question and the answer is very simple the more focused you are the more effective you'll be period, period. So that hasn't that's changed that's just a complete okay. period yes uh, okay so from an effective level yes the more we pay attention to what we do obviously the better we'll be at that whether that is doing emails being in meetings being with our kids when we get home it doesn't matter we'll be better at doing that if we pay attention and not distracted obviously mm. from a leadership perspective uh, there are also a few interesting findings that we that we that we came to here first one is the higher focus people have, the bigger the chances of progressing, of racing in ranks, basically. There was a very clear correlation in our research in how focused people are and how high level in the organization. And all the C-suites that we worked with and that we assessed had very high levels of extent, of, of attention. Obviously, there are exceptions to the rule. Sure. Uh, also in, in America, in high leadership positions. But there are just a general correlation between those things. And if you take a leadership effectiveness in terms of how you engage your people... If you as a leader are not engaging and really present with your people when you're with them. If you if they come up to you with an important question or a concern and you are not really present paying attention, mm-hmm. they will know that you don't care. They will know that you don't listen and their engagement is going to go down the drain.
0: Yeah. So that um, we're going to keep that thought until we come back with uh, some other questions later on in the show on compassion and empathy because empathy it comes down to how well you listen. I believe active listening. We talked about this a drop in the break. Um, so I'm. It, it is very true. If you are not mindful, if you are not present when somebody is talking to you, you could be staring at them. That nonver there. There's an in, an intuitive um, wisdom. We know it's almost like the book Blink. You know, I'm not being heard. Once that happens over and over and over again, you know where you're right, how effective can you really be?
3: And there's a great story about that—a leader that we worked with a number of years ago. Do I have time to be able to tell yes, the story? Yes, you do. Of course. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was really simple. This guy was really super smart, you know, in financial services. Was really good as you know, Rasmus articulated earlier really with the spreadsheets and the numbers. And so he rose up the ranks in his career, as oftentimes people do that are sure. really smart and successful. But he continually got really bad 360 feedback. Mm-hmm. And he was frustrated by it because he was really um, you know he was he was very ambitious and he wanted to be able to rise up, but mm. he just kept on getting these crappy feedback from all of his employees and as a last resort, somebody sent him to us. Ah. He was almost not willing, but he wanted to train in mindfulness, what you had mentioned earlier, this ability to be more present, more focused, more attentive. And what he found over a series of training, mm. training the mind to be able to be more focused, more present, he was able to actually significantly turn around that feedback. Now, what was really interesting, the backstory on this guy, is that he was really meticulous and detailed. And one of the things that he did is throughout his entire career, he was always tracking because he always got this negative feedback. He would track how much time he spent. So if you came into his office, JG, he would say, I just spent 20 minutes with JG. I just spent this amount of time. And what he found. And so, he, and when people would give him, you know, say, you're a bad leader, he would say, but look at all this time I'm spending with people. Fascinating. What was interesting is after he basically trained his mind to be able to be more present and actually pay attention with people the amount of time that he Less spent time? with people went mm. down mm-hmm. because people knew that he was there. Mm-hmm. They could say it once and leave his office and know they were heard. Mm-hmm. So it was an amazing return on investment for him.
0: Interesting.
1: Think about all the athletes. Why, why do Olympians perform at that high level? Because they're focused, attention to detail. They're, they're, they get rid of all the distractions. And I'm curious how many listeners are out there that where they have a manager or a boss. They walk in and the manager while they're talking to them is multitasking. Right. You know, responding to the email, they're they're busy writing other notes versus really being present
0: for well, the time that's needed. So I'm going to go out on a limb. Don't go too far I'll say. Think, think about entrepreneurs, visionaries, mm. those that start the companies. They typically, this is what we have found in our practical experience. Are all over the place. They are down ten minute, you know, ten million rabbit holes. Idea, idea, idea. Let's try this. Let's, let's try that. Da-da-da. And 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 quite frankly, very often brilliant. Okay, um, but we have also found that they are not necessarily the best or most effective leaders. And I'm I'm thinking it's probably because they are not present. They are not mindful. They're they're, they're unaware the of the impact well, that they're having on other people. Right, but the neuroscience I'm thinking of their brains going off in all of these escape routes and thinking and paths, is that would that does that make sense well, to your
3: point? What I would say is that, you know, and one of the things that we talk about in the book and it's so true and we've seen this for over a decade in the organizations that we've worked with is there is a new mantra for leaders which is survival of the focused. That Ooh, is survival important. of the focus. Exactly, you can tweak that, that as well. Exactly. <laughs> But I would say that the other thing that you're pointing out is there is actually – the reason why our mind wanders, there is actually benefit to that. It is those moments when we stare out the window that we can tap into our gut wisdom, our creative ideas. So a lot of innovation actually comes from it. So totally, you could see from an entrepreneurial perspective, you know, they are, you know, off in the clouds. They see this. They see that. Fantastic. But if they can't hone that, if they can't bring that distracted, creative – amazing wandering mind into, you know, okay, practical, tangible solutions that can be executed, they're simply not going to be effective.
0: Mm. So what's a wisdom that you could offer us so that we could train our brain uh, to be a little more focused?
2: Well, the obvious answer to that is mindfulness. So mindfulness is a a very, very old tradition of basically training ourselves to manage our mind better, to be more present, to be more focused. When we want to be. Now, personally, I am an entrepreneur, started an organization 12 (laughs) years ago. It's now in 30 countries, very successful. Um, I'm generally having lots of ideas and lots of things that I would like to execute on. But the practice of mindfulness has certainly helped me to be aware of those great ideas, but focus on the ones that are most important. So I can choose to be creative, as Jacqueline talked about, having great ideas. But I can also choose the other mode, which is the mindful mode of Honing in, focusing on something. And being tactical. And do that really strategic, tactical, practical, yes. Mm-hmm. So mindfulness is the technique for training the wandering mind. Is the technique for helping leaders to be more present, as Jacqueline talked about. It is really the technique that we find in today's day and age where everything is very distracted. We are multitasking away. Mindfulness is what brings us back to this moment to be effective in our job and be effective with the people and the organizations that we're leading. So
1: far, the, for the people that are driving, I don't want you to practice this right now, but what would be a technique? Can you give me like a tangible technique that I could implement like within a minute? Because my mind is, is actually all over the place right now. And I can having, tell. The light bulbs are going <laughs> up. Oh, I got an idea. Oh, 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 Mr. <laughs> Cotter, Mr. Cotter. Oh, oh, I it's got so an idea. Obvious. So I got to calm <laughs> my mind. How do I do that?
2: I'll say one thing. First of all, there is a, a page for the book where you can actually download an app that'll Ooh. bring you to the practices. So if you go to The Mind of the Leader com. You'll get an app there, but Jacqueline, say a bit more.
3: I was going to say it's the dot com. I think okay. yes. So, um, but basically, one of the things that we can do is we can actually go into the mental gym. Just like you, if you want to be able to be more physically fit, yeah, you know, you go running or you go into the physical gym, you lift some weights. Very similarly, mindfulness training and actually it's for selflessness and compassion too, which we can talk about from a neurological perspective. We could take you into the mind gym, which is basically Specific tools and techniques to train yourself to be able to be more focused. You focus on an object of your choice in the mind gym, your mind naturally gets distracted, and you bring it back. And every time you bring it back is when you actually develop, and they can see this from a neurological perspective. The part of the brain that's actually responsible for managing our attention actually gets bigger. It's really cool. Ooh, I would exactly. Love it. Uh, we could so study We could study you, JG. Well, seriously, read my mind. Here's, here,
1: here's my <laughs> trick. Yes, and and I think a lot of people know this. I've kept a chapstick in my pocket, and I would put it out just to remind me focus. Interesting. I put it down and.
0: That's
3: what that's all about.
1: You never <laughs> see me apply the chapstick, but it's all about focusing.
3: Well, and I it's think strange. And what you're what you're articulating is that we can be we can train our minds to be more mindful, which is what I talked about when we go into the mental gym, and we're lifting the weight of managing our attention. It's that simple. And just like any other muscle, it grows. But what you talked about is we can also train ourselves to be more mindful in everyday situation. So a perfect example you mentioned multitasking. We know the research conclusively says that that is just terrible for us yes there's no benefits it makes us more distracted more stressed make more mistakes so if there's a way i love the chapstick it's so simple it's like no i'm going to focus i'm going to get this done i'm going to be here now that's excellent and i'm going to notice that my mind gets distracted because it does i'm not going to beat myself up for it right because there's no point in that the mind naturally wanders but where do i want my mind to be right now i want it to be here now and the training helps us do that, and then the practice in application in everyday life also helps us do that.
0: I cannot wait for you to take JG to uh, his Is this a therapy his, session again his mind <laughs> his mind gym. So uh, before we uh, you know take a quick break and come back, uh, I'm going to really be curious about the qualities, those three qualities. That you have discovered, okay, that all people need today, leaders or other leaders, mm, three. Uh, there's three, okay, we can guess during the break. But okay I, have an, I I'm not saying a word' I'm, but there's I'm three of them, and, I, and and I know uh, those wisdoms will help everybody. And uh, I'd also like to say, listeners, we have five copies of Rasmus and Jacqueline's latest book, The Mind of the Leader, And if you would like to win one of these books, go ahead, email me. Please, not while you are driving. You can email me at dk at gutwisdom,
1: And remember, you have to email during the show, not before the show. You know who I'm talking about, people. <laughs> Emailing before the show for your free book doesn't right. work.
0: Totally true. But give me an email, especially, but not while you're driving. More leadership wisdoms coming your way on Gut Wisdom. Stay tuned. Introducing Play.it, a podcast network like no other. At Play.it, you can hear your favorite WCBS features on demand. In the WCBS Eye on politics. I'm Pat Farnack with the WCBS Health and Well-Being Report. I'm Steve Greenberg talking about your next job. Hear those and more from WCBS when you need it. Plus, great content from other CBS stations. For the best in news, sports, business, and tips for your lifestyle, go to Play.it today. How leaders communicate. Engage and show up to their team has never been more important with employee diseng- disengagement being of what I would say epidemic proportions. And even if you don't have a team to lead, how you communicate and how you relate to others around you is really just as important. This is about life and business. I'm Deirdre Coppelman here with your co-host, John Gassman, who likes to be called JG, and you're listening to Gut Wisdom Radio that resonates. Is this resonating tonight for you? Yes, I love this. Yeah, this is like your topic. This is this is the sweet spot. Yeah, leadership, behavior, neuroscience, relating to people, being kind to people. This this, empathy. Well, we didn't get there yet, but we will go, 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 (laughs) JJ.
1: So, if you are tuning in, we have tonight live in studio Rasmus Hugard and Jacqueline Carter. They are co-authors of the book The Mind of the leader. And right before we went on the last break, you said there were three, what was
0: it, three, three specific qu- qualities th- or
1: characteristics? hmm that who, make up a leader?
0: Yes. Yeah, so, or that are important to leadership? Well, we're going to find out. Rasmus okay. and Jacqueline, who wants to take that one? What, we want the mystery solved. What did you find out in your research? What are the three qualities that we we need to possess?
1: And by the way, everybody, I hope you have pencil and paper, because you're not going to hear this on any other radio station. Well, that's true. So it's all about gut wisdom. So here we go. Okay. What are the three qualities?
2: Great. The three qualities are...
1: Go ahead. Drum roll,
2: <laughs> yeah so we were we were quite excited about you know what would it be and we spent two and a half years together with our business review doing this massive study uh, with a quite open mind and we came to three things and the first one is mindfulness the ability to be focused and to have awareness self awareness mm-hmm. for leaders if you can't have focus and if you can't have self awareness you are lost so mindfulness the first thing the second thing was selflessness selflessness oh it's about others when you're leading you're leading others it's about them putting them on stage giving them the praise taking the blame giving the stage to the people you're leading so selflessness is really important and then compassion compassion the intention to want to see others happy and thriving and successful if you as a leader have that intention for the people you're leading and the societies that you're leading within people will know you have their back and they will be more committed more loyal more engaged and would you say so m- mindfulness i just need to repeat this
0: mindfulness which is being self-aware which mm-hmm. which we've talked about in the past self-awareness is that first step on the ladder of leadership foundation one selflessness right and compassion so selflessness is interesting because sometimes i think if you're too selfless and I might know somebody here or in the studio. Are you looking in the mirror again? <laughs> who, who? Sometimes I, you know, hard to not so much that it's hard to say no. I'm a pleaser. I am a selfless person. I am a giver. How much is too much of selflessness?
3: Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that we found is being so critical is that if you're so selfless, basically you could be a doormat, right? Sure, you're yes. do everything for everyone else. And you're not taking care of yourself, which is bad. Mm-hmm. You're also really not of best service to your people or to your organization because you're always going to say yes. You're always going to give too much of your time. So honestly, that's not smart. And so one of the things that we really looked at, and we heard this from so many leaders, is that we need to combine selflessness with a sense of self-confidence and a self- sense of there boundaries and a sense of, okay, there's only so much I can do. And sometimes it is in my selflessness that I need to say, I'm so smart sorry, I cannot help you today. Mm -hmm. And that's because I need to be able to take care of me. But the other thing I think that's so interesting is I think what you're articulating is people might have a misunderstanding when we talk about selflessness. Exactly. And what we're really talking about, and before you asked about the neuroscience and what we found, and specifically when we look at selflessness, what we're looking at is something called the ego. And what we found from a neurological perspective, and this is something that I think is so important for all of us to understand, is that as we rise up in the ranks of, of power within an organization, it has a negative impact on our ego. Mm-hmm. Basically, what happens is, is that we start to think we're pretty important. Self-important. Mm-hmm. Because all of these people are li- listening to us and mm-hmm. looking at us. And so our ego starts to grow and we naturally become very vulnerable to some of the downsides of having a big ego. Mm. Downsides like we become more vulnerable to criticism. If I think I'm really great and you tell me I'm not so great, ouch, that's going to hurt my ego. Mm -hmm. We can also be manipulated because if you know I have a big ego and I'm all about me, then you'll say to me, Jacqueline, do this. It'll make you look good. And I might go (laughs) ahead and do that, even if it's not in my best interest. In addition to that, we actually know that When we have a big ego, we tend to see things from our ego's perspective. It's called confirmation bias. We want to see the world. And the final thing that an ego can be detrimental for is that, quite honestly, it can make us be unethical in our behaviors, Mm. which is a really bad thing. Because, again, we'll look at things, does this serve my interests, as opposed to the best interest of my people and my organization, so selflessness is really about countering these natural tendencies that we all have. And we need to be able to manage the ego. And that's really what selflessness is all about.
0: There, that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because I did specifically want to bring that up, knowing, uh, you know, selflessness can, it's just a, it can be a misnomer. It could be misunderstood, the semantics of it. Um, Which also brings, you know, the thought to the third uh, quality. That's a must have. We've got mindfulness, which is self-awareness. We have selflessness, which you just did an incredible job of defining. Then there's compassion. Yep. And in your book, The Mind of the Leader, you speak about the dangers of empathy. And I am an empathy junkie junkie. have been my whole life and, and and so i'm curious to know what is the difference and share with our listeners the difference between compassion and empathy and what are the dangers of empathy rasmus right.
2: yeah so, uh, so that's a really good question and uh, a lot of research has been published recently about the difference between these two and the dangers of empathy so let's start by defining the difference or have an analogy to the difference if you're as a leader walking into your office and one of your people is sitting at his or her desk, sweating, feeling miserable under an overwhelming burden of work. There is a compassionate approach and there is an empathetic approach. Mm-hmm. Empathy. If you're just applying empathy, you will go and you'll sit next to this person. And with this person, you will suffer and be stressed and sit there and sweat and feel miserable. Mm-hmm. Because empathy is simply that, just putting yourself in other shoes and suffer with them. mm mm-hmm. Whereas compassion, the compassionate approach would be to see there is one that is in trouble. That is what empathy helps us to do, see there is one in trouble. But then rather than going down the route of suffering with them, you step out of that and you see how can I help. So it is Got it, it is, is what researchers call rational empathy. Mm. It is more of a rational approach to how can I help rather than basically how can I go into the suffering of this. And the reason why this is so important is Leaders nowadays is a, a huge danger of burnout, emotional burnout, because they take on the suffering of the people they're leading.
0: Interesting. So Rational re- empathy. Yeah, I
2: wrote it down, and it so reminds me of
1: the drama triangle. You know, there's the victim. Right. And what do you want to show up as? The hero? No. No. You want to be the coach to help them become self-aware and for
0: them to- Solve their problems. Exactly. The creator of their own solutions. Exactly. Yeah. You've been reading. I think you wrote a book on this, right? Yes, I did. You know, empathy, that's another sort of today's word. Right. You know, you still have some leaders- Uh, that feel those are, you know, empathy and compassion. They're sort of the mushy, soft, ew, Uh, we don't believe that. Uh, that, that has any place in the workplace. But in fact, it does. And this goes back to what we were saying earlier on in the yeah. uh, in the beginning of the show. You want to develop that corporate a, a, culture? A, a people-centric yeah. way of running your business. I don't care if it's a small business, a big business, a big corporation, a family-owned business. I don't yeah. care what you sell, what your product is, what your service is. A people-oriented um, nucleus you need that human. You need the human element in everything about your culture. So empathy, for those that are listening, I mean, I, I once dealt with, um, I think they were co-presidents. <clears throat> They're no longer in business. Um, and I remember working with them with uh, on the topics of emotional intelligence and empathy and things of that nature. And both of them, I actually tested uh, to measure their, their, quantify how much empathy they they were they had. Uh, both were lower than twenty percent, mm-hmm. and seemingly so. Of course, neither one of them saw any value whatsoever in learning about empathy. So, but I like that. So dangerous
2: empathy um, and rational empathy It's called emotional empathy and and rational empathy. Oh, yeah. I yeah, mean yeah. that
0: is. Interesting,
2: But I think there's one thing that is really important to say about compassion, which is compassion does not mean pleasing others. It does right. not mean giving them what they want. It means giving sure. them what they need or what the organization needs. And in the case of somebody not performing up to the standards, compassionate approach there is to give the tough feedback that they need. Sure. Because if you don't, they will continue to underperform and at some point they will be sacked. The same if your organization is not doing well, you have to put hard measures in place. Sometimes you need to lay off people. We have Mm. a great example of a CEO of one of the large uh, um, accounting firms in the country, Moss Adams. His name is Chris Smith. Oh, Uh, Moss Adams, sure. He had to, Yeah, so he had to lay off people years ago in the financial crisis. His whole approach was, I'm going to do this because otherwise we'll all go down, but how do I bring compassion into this? How, How do I bring the intention that may the people that we lay off be better and do well despite this. He took all the conversations himself because he said he needed. He made the decision so he needed yeah. to face them. He needed to have the conversations with them rather than just let it, let it be done by HR. Made sure that they got all the great packages, it's that great they got leader. all the retraining and so on. So bring compassion into tough situations. Compassion is not soft and squishy. Compassion for a leader is really hard. We
3: That's,
0: have to have the two of you back. I have the chills from talking to How them. do we get in touch
2: with you?
3: How yes. do
0: people find you
3: well you can find us as i mentioned earlier www.themindoftheleaderbook.com and uh, if you're interested in in these topics we actually have a global leadership network so if you're interested you can find out more information there as well as resources and tools as rasmus mentioned an app that we have if you want to try these practices for yourself to help you develop as a leader you can find all the information there
1: awesome i'm in i'm going jj you coming to the academy with me (sighs) jj no you don't need it i I, just need the work oh no i would go so we're giving away how many books we have five books i think we gave them all away the emails are flowing (laughs) we have
0: we have five of rasmus and jacqueline's book the mind of the leader and if you're interested listeners please shoot me an email not while you're driving at dk at gut wisdom dot com. i write back to everybody and uh even though everybody won't be a winner because we get i get a lot of emails um we have five books, so write me and let me know you want one. And tell me what you liked about the show. That's always good too.
1: Yeah, and check out our new YouTube videos, right?
0: Yeah. We have a whole G-G. YouTube session, we have Facebook, LinkedIn, right? And what else? And what if people want to hear this episode? What if they missed the episode? Uh,
1: After the show, they can go to the Gut Wisdom site and download the
0: podcast? Mm, Very good. If you missed the beginning of tonight's show, you can (laughs) obviously download it from iTunes. From iTunes. All previously aired shows are on our website, gutwisdom.com. And uh, it's been an. We we need to have you both back. I think. Maybe for a live event. I think for the live event, JG. What's your takeaway tonight? My biggest
1: takeaway is the importance of being present. Yes. Present in the moment
0: using we should create gut wisdom chapstick uh tools no no jg gut wisdom present no why not no come on no no all right well you're you're just you so we want to give a big thank you again to our guests Rasmus and Jacqueline for joining us tonight, enlightening us with your wisdoms. Big thank you to our listeners for your gut wisdom loyalty and to our partners at WCBS Radio. Thanks for all of your hard work and support and make it a mindful gut wisdom week. You've been listening to Gut Wisdom on WCBS News Radio 880. Gut Wisdom comes your way every Saturday night at 7 p.m. on WCBS 880 or anytime at gutwisdom.com. That's wisdom spelled with a Z.